there. Hey, Michelle. Yeah. Hey, Hi, Jerry. Great. How Very are you? Good. Well, just a big thanks for inspiring me and showing me about the Anchor FM. It is so easy yes, to use. Yes, you're awesome at it. You're a pro. Thank you. <laughs> well, I'm just excited that you introduced me to it and also excited that you naturally seemed like a really great first guest for my wow. audience based on a lot of the cool things that you said in our meeting last Good. week. Yeah, thank you. Well, Andor, Andor so, will set the bar really low, so <laughs> so uh, future uh, conversations you have will be uh, uh, even even more impactful. So that's the goal. Right. Well, I have a feeling they're going to enjoy this. Let me give them some context and just tell them a little bit about okay. you. Um. So Jerry Bierman is someone that I recently met, but I immediately realized that I was going to like some of the things Jerry had to say. So I had to, I had to learn more, uh, but we met at a trade show, Design Build Cincy, and he is the owner of Alluring Glass. Mm -hmm. The thing that caught my interest was that he also has a brand called Conduit that was birthed out of his desire to provide resources for his clients and friends in the residential trades. And that is so exciting to me. Um, so thank you. Yeah. And do you have anything you want to say about conduit or learning yeah. glass just to kind of bring some context to what we're, we're about to yeah, dive into? Yeah. Thank you. And thank you again. Yeah. Um, I think the, the, um, I think the best way to describe both alluring glass and conduit is that um, they're both laboratories. Um, and both of these laboratories, while we want to be, we want to execute at a very high level in both of these laboratories, we also recognize, I recognize that um, they're testing grounds. And so business is an ongoing, the way that I choose to look at business is it's an ongoing testing ground, looking for better ways to build the mousetrap, so to speak. So both the Loring Glass and Conduit um, are um, separate and yet they're interconnected. Um, and so I, I get to test different things, uh, different aspects, different elements in both of those, um, both of those endeavors. That is a really cool thing. You just emphasized the testing and the testing grounds, um, especially because I think a lot of people get stuck on having to plan out their business and doing things mm. right. So yeah. tell me more about why you consider these two places testing grounds and what you think about what I just said in terms of how that relates. Yeah. And so if you're a perfectionist, then I am, uh, I am the person that typically drives perfectionist crazy, um, is that, um, you know, if, if you're if you're a planner, I think it's really good. I think some people I think people with my personality are are typically too quick to pull the trigger and then other people um, are too slow to pull the trigger. And I think there's a there's a balance in there in between. Um, you know, you can you can be way too fast to try things. Um, you can be way too fast to throw things against the wall and see what sticks. And then you could also be very way too painfully slow. And so with both of these businesses, um, I am surrounded by, excuse me, I am surrounded by uh, people that have 
incredible strengths in areas that I have incredible weaknesses. And so, um, but, but yet we have mutual respect and similar goals that um, they will allow me to push on the envelope of trying or, or um, innovating. Innovating is a, is a, is a good, is a, I love the idea of innovating. And so um, pushing on that, the idea of, you know, this works really well. Is there a way that we could make it work even better? Could we make it more efficient, more effective? And then from a leadership standpoint, there's a balance between like recognizing your team and I get energy from, you know, ideating or innovating and some people it, it causes them a tremendous expenditure of energy. So like you got to know yourself and then you got to know your team. And so you can't be innovating all the time, 24 seven, if you're surrounded by people that like to maintain and manage and, and, um, um, and have consistency. Um, so I think there's a lot that probably for another time or another several hours to unpack, but generally speaking, I think that, um, that kind of addresses the, the tension between being too fast or too slow. Wow, there are so many good nuggets of information in what you just kind of capped off. And um, I, it, it leads me to one of the favorite things that I heard from you in our last conversation, which was you mentioned that you are a comfortable disruptor. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, And I'm a big fan of disruptors. Tell me what you see a comfortable disruptor as being and how that looks like in your sure, businesses. Sure. That's a great question. So maybe, maybe the best way to answer that question is to address what a, what a comfortable disruptor is not. Um, and I, in my, in my less mature, not that I'm mature at this point, I'm 52, but I'm, still working on my, my maturity. But when I was a lot younger, um, I was more of an agitator. So I was a very comfortable agitator. Um, and I think agitating is different than the, what we what you and I are talking about as far as disrupting is concerned. So, and I think of it, a lot of times it's your motives, right? So if my motive is to actually help you think a little bit differently uh, because I actually care about you, Michelle, then I think that's, that creates the opportunity for me to be a comfortable disruptor. Um, if I really don't care about you um, and I'm trying to inflict pain upon you, then I'm going to be an agitator where I'm just stirring the pot. I'm really not trying to help you consider a different point of view. So in the context that you're using the word disruptor, it's assumed that the person that's doing the disrupting actually cares about you. And if in fact I do care about you, then I think it's, I think it's very helpful in our friendship. Um, and I think it's a give and take. I think, you know, as, as you and I are developing our friendship, I would say to Michelle, I would, I would encourage you to disrupt my point of view in a, you know, professional, um, polite manner. And so, the way that I mean it is to just to consider a different point of view. Um, it takes empathy, for instance, to, um, um, to be a, a comfortable disruptor uh, in the context that you and I are discussing is that, you know, you're, you're looking at the way that you've always done things successfully. And I'm trying to disrupt that to see if there might be 
uh, consideration for looking at an alternative way of doing it. Does that kind of help from a disrupting standpoint? Absolutely. I really like how you compared it to the agitator and how the non-compassionate disruptor would behave um, and, and putting that like in a really caring light that you would care about someone in order to comfortably disrupt. Because in that way, disruptor to me is almost an enduring term. Mm-hmm. In fact, it is an enduring term. Mm-hmm. Now, I found in the coaching industry that that is pretty important. And you mentioned a change of perspective Mm -hmm. and not having to agree. And one of the cool things that you brought up in our meeting that I am very passionate about since one of my first companies, Flourish Design, is in the residential trades Uh as alluring glasses. You brought up the point that people complain constantly about a labor shortage in the trades, but you had a really interesting take on Mm -hmm. it. Would you mind saying what? whether or not you agree with that or not. Yeah. Yeah. So speaking again, from my point of view, I was, I was one of the complainers. So I was one of the, uh, one of the people in the residential trades that said, you know, we've got a labor shortage. We've got a problem. Um, the schools, uh, the, the, the high schools are, are pointing kids towards college and some of the kids shouldn't be going to college. Uh, they're ending up in hundreds of thousands of dollars in student loans, and the schools should be pointing them towards the trades. And the more I found myself ranting about what other people should do, um, it struck me that you know what can I personally do? So I'm either I'm either going to be a part of the problem or I'm going to be a part of the solution. And so through again, kind of disrupting my own thought and having friends. Um, and leaders within the community that I can kind of bounce ideas off of like yourself is we started talking about, gosh, you know, it, it seems like leadership is the key. Like the, 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 the bigger overarching problem to the labor issue is the leadership issue that, that myself as a leader, I'm responsible for um, recruiting, casting vision, um, inviting, um, people into the trades. And so, you know, I'm, I'm as a leader, I'm responsible for, um, for recruiting people into my business as, as teammates or staff or employees. And then once I recruit them in, that's part of the challenge. Then the second part is how do I retain them? And so it, it forces, it pushes on my leadership to say, well, my retention plan is going to be built around my willingness and ability to engage and develop my staff. So if my staff is engaged in personal and professional growth and development, um, they're probably going to be um, uh, more committed to me, maybe more committed to our vision. Um, And the reality is, I think Richard Branson has that famous quote that says, train people well enough that they can leave and treat them well enough that they'll want to stay. And I think you love people. I was taught this by, I've, I've worn out therapist over my years, but that's for a whole nother conversation as well. But one of the, one of the therapists that, um, that I worked with years ago said to me, you got to love people with an open hand that you've got to love them, um, that they can come and go as they please. And your responsibility isn't to love them with a closed fist and hold on to them. 
your responsibility is to love them with an open hand and hopefully love them and serve them, et cetera, et cetera. And this could go sideways really quick, this conversation, but that they want to be, um, they want to be in a relationship with me. So in the context of employees, um, can I love them, serve them, train them that they want to be with me? They do, they, they believe in, they buy into my vision. And here's the reality of what I just said, Michelle, is that um, the reality is that when I give everything to our staff, when they quit, it hurts really bad. And when it hurts really bad, the, the, the tendency is not to go again, not to do it again. And the reality is that we as leaders can't stop. So I personally believe all the, all the guys that have quit over the years um, in my company – which is about a dozen years now, they've all quit my leadership. They didn't quit Alluring Glass. They quit Jerry Bierman. And so I can pout about that. I can complain to you offline or some friends and say, gosh, that really sucks or that really hurts or that really whatever. But at some point, I got to put my leadership right hat back on and I got to go again. And so doing the right thing doesn't mean that it's not going to hurt and there's not going to be pain associated with it. It just means that I got to do the right thing. So I'll solve the labor problem at Alluring Glass by recruiting, casting vision, and then teach, training, and equipping um, our staff. Gosh, Jerry, thank you so much for including in part of that whole description, how you feel when people quit. I think, you know, there's a lot of coaching talk out there that glosses over the fact that we as business owners have emotions. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and even a great leader feels things. Yeah. And you don't have to be this iron person to keep going. Yeah. Yeah. Entre entrepreneurs are humans, contrary to what many people might believe. They're actually, they actually have feelings and, uh, and, th and, and, and emotions and, um, and that those are things that that you and I have to learn how to manage, but we still feel um, we still feel all those things. We still experience all those feelings. You also um, hinted a little bit at this, but I want to yeah. ask you on a deeper level. You talked a lot about how you went from, you know, you described going from being one of the complainers about the labor shortage to understanding that it had to be involved with leadership. And then you described a lot of ways that you embraced that and performed that in your company. Mm -hmm. And from our previous meeting, I took away what a commitment you have to this. Can you talk more about what a strict commitment you've put in place at Alluring Glass to create this? Yeah. Yes. Culture. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the short version is that I, uh, as a, as an owner, I tried to hire um, leaders of our operations and in the um, ambition to hire people, what I always said to the guys that I hired was I need you to hold the guys accountable and I need you to engage them and help them grow personally and professionally. And holding people accountable and uh, engaging people in personal and professional growth. Um, what I became aware of is that 
there's not a whole lot of people that know how to do either one of those things. Um, so if you don't know how to hold people accountable and you don't know how to engage and intentionally uh, professionally grow somebody, then uh, you're going to fail miserably. And so um, I was hiring people to do that job. And it was actually my son that challenged me. Again, another long story, but my son, my oldest son, who's 26, very respectful young man. He said to me, dad, why don't you teach them? Why don't you take ownership of that? Why don't you take responsibility for that? And while I disagreed with him at the time, I pondered that for the next few months in about 78, 79 weeks ago, I said, okay, by golly, I will give it a shot. And so I started to re-engineer things that I, I felt like guys needed to learn. So very quickly, I, I recognized leadership. So leadership in the context of a learning glass is inspiration or influence. So how do I re-engineer influence and, um, and inspiration? And how do I teach somebody how to, how to start learning how to be aware of their ability to influence or inspire others? I did the same thing with soft skills. I did the same things with their craft, and then I did the same thing with management. So we literally re-engineered all the stuff that I want my guys to learn. And I'm a, I'm a father too, Michelle, so I've got four biological kids. So I've got, I've got my youngest is 18, so I've got a lot of practice trying to teach, train, and equip people. And so I did the same thing in our business. I just re-engineered it back and just started working on it. I believe in incremental everybody believes in incremental improvement. And so we live in a microwave society where, where what we want is time cook one minute and then the mashed potatoes are ready. But the reality is that we are all, we all know that, it, that everything that we do of any value, any sustainability is done through incremental steps. So I use marathon training. So marathon, if you stick with the marathon training, it's 18 weeks and you don't run 26.2 miles the first day, you run three miles. And so, but if you stick with the plan in 18 weeks, you can actually, Lord willing, if your body stays healthy and you're disciplined, that's the piece, right? You're disciplined to be intentional. Then in 18 weeks, you can run a marathon. So again, re-engineer that back. If I took leadership, and I take one of our staff and I said, okay, incrementally, how can I grow their leadership on a daily basis? And that's the way we do it, Michelle. We do it every single day. How do we do it on a daily basis that I give them a little bit every day and that my belief system is that if they do it consistently over a long period of time is where transformation takes place. Wow, that is so cool, Especially because, again, you're in the trades industry. I really hope there's some people in the trades industry or that are familiar with it listening. But um, would you mind painting the picture of what a day might be like for one of these guys who has bitten off this leadership um, experience? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So very quickly. so, and I'll just, I'll just lay it out very quick and I can, I can give anybody that wants to see the pattern. And again, this is the pattern that we're testing. So this is not a pattern for success. This is a pattern that I'm testing. I haven't done it long enough to tell you definitively what works and what doesn't work. So I am, again, I'm a laboratory. So here's what we, here's what we test. On Monday, we do a 30 minute huddle that, that we call it a recal, recalibration huddle that, I do 30 minutes every Monday morning 
and I recast the vision for why we exist, where we're going, and how we're going to get there. And I do that for both their, their personal and professional lives, as well as the company. So every Monday, they hear the exact same message. Here's where, here's where we're going. Here's how we're going to get there. Um, and I'm just going to give you a quick, I'll just hit these very quick. Tuesday, we do sales training for 30 minutes that any of the guys that want to learn how to sell, then we do a 30-minute huddle around sales training. Thursday, we do management training. And then Friday, we do a 30-minute huddle celebrating the ground we've taken. So on Friday, I want the guys to go into the weekend on a positive. So on Friday, we talk about, tell me how we've taken, taken ground this week. Then individually, which I sent you that link through Coach Accountable, every, every week I have a topic for the week. So this week's topic, ironically enough, is to be open-minded um, and to be receptive to ideas or to arguments. And so on Monday through Friday, they get one question through Coach Accountable, goes through their email, that they have to consider open-mindedness as it relates to their leadership. And I ask them a specific question, um, their soft skills, their craft and management. So that's, a, that's an attempt to get them engaged every single day. That's within our company. I'm also testing that with other companies, um, just a couple that are willing to do it themselves and or with their staff. So, and then there's sprinkling of other things that we do in there as far as doing dinners or um, doing different social um, um, connection type, uh, type events as well. But very quick. So this is a far cry from show up dressed with boots on and hop in your truck and get to the job site. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we have to do that too. And I think that's the challenge is like, we still have the GSD, right? We still have to get stuff done. And so this is, this is, you know, the, the, the guys get, if they opt into all the um, weekly structured training, they're getting about two hours. And then if they, uh, depending on how much time they spend journaling, and if you saw the journal entries, you know, of these guys, um, they vary. So some of the guys read the question and they're just checking the box and they're just, they're basically BSing their way through the journal entry and other guys are actually considering it. So, you know, the question this week, for instance, around open-mindedness might be today's question is, you know, from a, um, as you evaluate yourself, uh, how open-minded do you think you are as far as learning different ways to in influence and inspire others? So at the end of the, today, I'll get a report on what all, everybody's answers are. And you'll clearly be able to see guys that are just BSing. And then you'll see guys that are actually contemplating that question. And my belief system is that if I can get them to contemplate that question, thoughts, actions, right, feelings, um, if I can get them to contemplate that, then that's going to influence their behavior slightly. Do you think it sets a different tone for your crews? Uh, define tone. What do you mean? Uh, do you think it uh, creates a tribe or a culture that's driven in a specific direction? Yeah, that's a great question. That's a great. That's a great statement. Great question. Um, hmm. So we have a family culture. Um, a clan culture. And so I think the culture after 79 weeks is um, a, um, a more unified culture that everybody's moving in the same direction for the corporate vision 
and their individual vision. So we do, I've got a roadmap for each of the guys that shows them within a learning glass where they can move. And then we don't, like I said, we don't try to hang on to guys. So we actually, I've helped place them in other companies where they hit a roadblock in their career development and learning glass. And so then I try to help them get gainfully employed at another company that might be able to keep them going on their journey. So I think that family culture, prepare them, equip them, believe in them, support them. I think, oh gosh, after 78 weeks or so, whatever, whatever the time frame is, I think, um, I think we're getting a more unified culture. And there are other people that are hearing about what we're doing. And so there's, people that want to come to work for us that we don't quite candidly have room for them right now. So that's, well, that's a good problem to have, right? Yeah. So my, yeah. So my ambition is to get some other companies that are service oriented in the residential trades to have positions available with the corresponding employee engagement um, process slash programs that um, will, will, um, will be alongside them as they're doing their job. So I've got a long way to go, obviously, but this is, hopefully this is a a launching, hopefully this is a launching pad where my grandiose vision is that we're going to have a positive influence on the residential trades in the greater Cincinnati area. I think that's very powerful. And I like how you said you have a long way to go, but also, and that to me is like the mindset of an entrepreneur. I don't know if you agree with that, where you've, you've clearly just described how far you've come (laughs) and you still see yourself as a long way to go. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the process is much, I mean, when you, when you have a, when you have a purpose that drives you, um, you know, I think you and I talked about this over coffee is that, you know, that if I, if I didn't have to work tomorrow, I would do exactly what I did today. You know, I, I, I would do what I'm doing. Um, even if, if money wasn't an, an, an issue at all. So when you have that kind of purpose, I mean, you're really, it never feels arduous. It, it does. It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't frequently feel arduous or it never feels mundane. And I think the point that I'd like to make is that I've fallen in love with the process much more than the, um, the anticipation of the destination. So I'm, I'm enjoying the pursuit. Um, the destination is really to be determined after I'm gone, you know? So I'd like to leave a legacy behind that my, uh, my contribution to greater Cincinnati was of value. But I think the reality is that you're not going to see that until I'm already gone. And so that's the legacy that I'd like to leave something behind that, you know, those uh, when you go drive over the the uh, the overpasses or, um, you know, you see that somebody uses graffiti and they say, you know, Jerry was here type thing. It's as from an entrepreneur standpoint. I mean, that's that's something that I'd like to I'd, I'd like to, you know, leave some kind of legacy behind that Jerry was here, that I made some kind of contribution to the uh, to the residential trades. And so, but I'm more enamored with the, I mean, I love the process. I love the process. So I'm very curious. I love to learn. I, I personally, my, I tell people every year, 
every year, as far as I can remember, I've said to people, hey, this past year is the most I've ever learned at any point in my life. And so to, to be interested and curious in learning is, I think, really critical for, um, well, for everybody, but especially for entrepreneurs. Gosh, I'm glad you were able to put that in here. Um, and I do can't wait to have you back on the show. Sure, be of course. So willing, Love it. But I, um, I want to make sure these are in digestible amounts of time for the listeners. But please, is there anything that you want the listeners to know based on what we opened up this can of worms yeah. today about what you yeah, started? Yeah, I think, and it's interesting that I, and I, I, I believe, you know, I believe in divine intervention. Um, and so I believe that um, the topic for this week for our for our company is no coincidence um, is that it's to be open minded. And I think um, that one of the pieces to open minded is would be if you specifically say a call to action is to to be intentional about considering the other person's point of view. I think that would be my if you said, hey, Jerry, give me an ask. I would say, well, whoever's whoever's listening this far into this podcast, my encouragement is to, um, is for you to consider other people's point of view that's different than yours. That's it. Thank you. <laughs> now, if, if the listeners want to be able to find you, is there any place that they can go and look and see your Yeah, through all through, through all the social media, well, the social media being Facebook, uh, through Alluring Glass or Jerry Bierman or Conduit. Uh, Instagram through Jerry Bierman or Learn Glass, and then LinkedIn through um, Jerry Bierman. Thank you so you got much. For Thanks for having me. me. All right. Talk See to you, you next Michelle. time. Bye. Bye bye.